This is Daisen Shui XD Podcast, episode 115, for the week of February 10th, 2008. Welcome to Daisen Shui X, the podcast! What the? An extension of the all encompassing Dragon Ball fan site, Daisen Shui X. We cover anything and everything Dragon Ball in hopes of. Yeah, right, Ning. And a little bit of... Entertaining? What is with you two tonight? I am wise Chinese master. You're racist Chinese master. <laughs> I'm, I'm channeling Andrew tonight. <laughs> I, I figured as much. Well, don't look at me. I'm just British. <laughs> oh, people. It's bound to offend someone, but that's okay. Introductions are in order. Let's say hello to everyone. I'm going to start with the dude over in Japan. What's up, Julian? Not too much. Um, it's Saturday morning here, as always, and it's Japan. Yeah, that is、uh, extremely true. It is Japan over there for you.、Yep. Uh, it's probably going to stay Japan for a little bit. Yep.、Um, it's less than a week before Valentine's Day, and I'm looking forward to getting all that obligation chocolate, you know? Ah, <laughs> nice stuff. I like the obligation chocolate. I like pity chocolate. Oh. oh, well. But anyway, I'm looking forward to that. Oh, and I got Dragon Ball stuff to tell, but I'll let you guys go ahead first. All right, yeah, yeah, we'll definitely get back to that. Let's、uh, introduce the woman over here to my less than proverbial right.、Hi. That is Mary. Hey. Yo. What's up, Mary? Wait,、uh, I can't ask you that. No. No, no, I'm allowed no, to say what's up.、Me. I can't ask you how you're doing. You can ask how I'm doing. All right, well, what is up and how are you doing? What is up is I am in physical pain. Why? Oh, I bit my bit tongue, tongue and I can't feel it. And I haven't been able to feel the tip of it for four days. And I used the computer too much. Now my wrist hurts. Thank God it's Friday, though. Yeah, you can relax. I mean, you get to record a podcast, but other than that, you can relax.、Mm-hmm. Until、mm. Sunday. Fantastic. Well, why? Why Sunday? Sunday is a ooh, bridal show. Oh, that's right. It's at the、busy. venue that we're getting married at. So, yes, yes. Unfortunately,、oh、it's supposed to snow that day. So, I'm glad we're finally going to see the place in daylight, but it's going to snow, and we, I don't know if we're going to be able to go outside, but we'll see. Gotcha. Just as long as it doesn't snow on your wedding, right? That's, I don't think it will. It's going to be you know, mid October. I don't、Unless、think we'll、like、be getting too much、weather. snow. Yeah, true enough. All right, so that's Julian. That's Mary. That leaves me. My name is Mike. Perhaps you know me as Vegito EX. And、uh, I guess those are the introductions. Oh, we can say where we're from. Maybe we'll do that. You know, we usually do it at the end, but it's important at the beginning, too. Julian, you and I run a site called Daizenshu EX, which has been around in some shape or form for 10 years now. That is correct. I've really only been on board since, what, 2002 or so, but. You know what? That's you know, a long time. Time. Now. Wow, you're right.、Jeez. Yeah. Where did the time go? I, I went to like, school and you know, like, real life afterwards. It's kind of strange. Whoa. Yeah. And then there's Mary, and you're on a site called Temple O Trunks. Yes. Which is almost 10 years old. Almost 10 years, like a month away from the decade mark. I、you、cannot、think? even fathom that.、Okay. I seriously can't. Well, it's true. It feels like just yesterday. It's true. I heard it from a friend. <laughs> I heard it from the friend that Akira Toriyama runs Temple O Trunks. Oh, let's you know, not like, do he this. He totally loves trunks. Let's not. All right, so those are the introductions.、Uh, Julian, you said you had some Dragon Ball stuff going on. What's up? Yes, that's correct. It seems that lately, Family Mart, one of those venerable convenience store institutions in Japan, has been running a promotion recently. I'm not really sure since when or until when. That involves Dragon Ball merchandise. So you walk in the door and they've got this display of a bunch of like, different Dragon Ball things. There's. 
ranging all the way from like little figurines of different characters all the way up to these really huge, detailed, gorgeous figures of things like Super Saiyajin Goku and Ozaru, which is gigantic. But basically what you do is you pick out this little ticket and bring it to the counter, and for 500 yen you get a chance to pick out one of the slips of paper in a little box. Ooh, I like and this. whatever's on it you get. So... I ended up getting a capsule case that contains two ball pens styled to look like Hoi Poi capsules. Oh, you know, I think that's probably very similar to what um, the pre-order item was for the first Sparking game. It's very similar. It's a, it's a capsule, but, you know, you click the top and it's a pen. Yep. Oh, sweet. I wonder if it was like leftover stock from that. <laughs> I'll have to Maybe. send you a picture of mine. We can compare them. <laughs> All right. Nice. So that's it? That's, that's the cool stuff? Yep. All right, neat. Um, Mary, I don't think you and I have had time for anything Dragon Ball related no, the but, last week. but we started another anime. We have. I know we're going to talk about it in relation to something completely different later on. So we'll briefly mention it later when it's applicable. But that was interesting, you know, actually watching anime. Kind of strange. You know, it's it's so funny because as you... It's a whole other podcast topic. We'll get to it eventually. Okay. So what are you going to say? Um... It's my title, The Plight of the Adult Shonen Fan. Okay. You know what I mean? I was going to say, I find time every day to watch anime. Yeah, but you get to take a nice lunch break where you get to go to a place with a TV, and that helps contribute to it. So, you know, sometimes I sit and play Phoenix Wright at lunch, but... That's cool, too. It's still dorky, so you're getting your fix. All right, so if that's Dragon Ball stuff, what's on deck for this episode? Well, you know, we've done a lot of very in-depth looking at the original source material stuff for a couple weeks now. We did a movie review, we did the manga stuff, uh, we looked at the Trunks, the manga versus the TV special. Today we're going to take it back a little bit. It's something very topical, very important going on right now, and that's the general state of the industry. Uh, You go to any anime site or other podcast or commentary or blogs, it's what everyone's talking about right now, and I think we have a lot to say about this too, but being that this is a Dragon Ball podcast and we're in North America, we're very heavily going to focus on Funimation and more specifically Dragon Ball's role not only in Funimation and what they're doing but in the industry as a whole. I think it um, kind of affects the industry more than anyone really thinks it does the way it ties into Funimation. So that's what we're going to talk about. Uh, We got some news beforehand. Julian, you're going to start up your ABCs again with the Japanese alphabet this episode. That's correct. Absolutely awesome. Mary, you don't have a top five for this week, but I know I was looking through my notes. You and I had come up with a long list, so we'll probably, you know, ease that back in. I can think of something that's applicable to this episode for a top five list, but not applicable to Dragon Ball, if that makes any sense. <laughs> no, I, you know, I will throw it we'll, by you. We'll get to it okay. when, when we get on down there. But, you know, Julian's getting the segment back, we're, you know, reviving that. Well, maybe we'll pull the top five in again pretty soon. It'll kind of be like, you know, a recomplete version of the show yet again. So, cool stuff. So we got that. We got some emails later on. We got some releases. So, uh, that's the episode. So, let's uh, do the news. Julian, you're going to take care of this first one for us. It's probably not Dragon Ball related, but it applies. So, what's up? Oh, yes. So, recently it's been announced that manga artists... Masakazu Katsura and Akira Toriyama, whose name should be familiar to you. I, I don't think I've ever heard of him before. Shut. <laughs> anyway, they are going to be contributing a One Piece. No, not a One Piece <laughs> thing at all. <laughs> I manga. A manga collaboration. See, when I think manga, I think I know, One Piece now. I know. <laughs> 
a manga collaboration in the month of May coming to Jump Square, which is the replacement for Monthly Shonen Jump. There's no real information yet, but we should take note of the fact that Katsura is a big fan of Akira Toriyama's work, and supposedly he is the one who suggested the idea of fusion originally. Yeah. So they they go way back. Definitely. That's cool stuff. We don't know anything about what this is going to be. There's been no indication that it's Dragon Ball related at all, and it probably won't be. If I understand yeah. correctly, some of the collaborations in the past between other mangaka have been you know, completely new stories, right? I think so. I mean, the big uh, Oda Toriyama collaboration from the other year was One Piece and Dragon Ball characters in an unfamiliar context. Right, but that was actually Weekly Jump. This is Jump Square. I don't know what Jump Square is. What is that? It's the replacement for Monthly Shonen Jump. Oh, that's right, that's Shonen right. Jump died. Forgot so about that. it's pretty much the same thing, I think. Okay. Different. Well, that makes a little bit of sense. Gotcha. All right. So, you know, we look forward to that. You'll definitely be picking me up a copy, and I'm sure in addition to whatever you pick up for yourself, and if right. you weren't planning on it, well, now you are. Oh, dear. Um, I'm sure you give us, you know, some uh, brief summaries and what's going on with that when it comes out. When's that coming out again? That's coming out in May, according to the thing that we read. Good deal. Well, uh, I guess the last bit of news, there's kind of a little bit of other news, but it ties in more to the topic than here. And this isn't so much news, it's just, you know, it's out there, maybe you want to check it out. But the website Anime on DVD just recently did a review of that upcoming Bardock and Trunks double feature TV special thing. And the only reason that this is really significant is the owner and, like, the main dude of the site, Chris Beveridge, when Funimation was first bringing out those remastered box sets, I believe he pretty much said fuck these, I'm not reviewing these, you know, in response to what they did to the video and how it was being presented. So it's kind of like a self-imposed ban on reviewing these products. Well, that seems to have briefly lifted, if only for this. Mary, you actually noticed this before I did. Right. What was, what was going on with this review and what's talked about and stuff? Um, My first theory was that maybe he just got it not knowing that it was messed around with. Maybe he just thought it was a, you know, just like, you know, re-release. these two specials haven't been out in a while. Oh, like we were saying, these are some of the earliest DVDs that Funimation did. Right, like so maybe... 2000, 2001 time. I wouldn't be surprised if he didn't know any better, or maybe he did know and he just wanted to watch them again. Yeah, that's true. Because <laughs> they are just that good. Yeah. So it was it was nice reading his review because he's someone who got into the show via the manga and realized, hey, this is actually good stuff. Right. If you read it, maybe not so much watch it, but right. he's still willing to give it a chance. It seemed just... like a lot of the comments, too, were saying the same thing. Like, you know, oh, the manga's really good, and actually these two TV specials, these are really good stuff, too, and mm-hmm. et cetera. What I did like, though... Is that he did address the video. Yes. Something that was really big to me, and I wish he did it uh, with this as well. Give it a, a, a split a, score. Yeah, a split score, yeah. When the Kenshin... Well, I forget that there's multiple OVAs. They kind of, like, disavow all knowledge of the second one. But the original Kenshin OVA with the four episodes, when that was re-released even in Japan as, like, a director's cut movie version, they did the same thing where they just slap bars on the top and bottom to make it movie style. And when that came out, he gave it a split score of, like, B plus slash F. Because, you know, it, it looks okay, but you're losing so much of the screen, like, this is not intended, is never how it was intended to be seen. So I was kind of hoping he would, if he was going to review this stuff, do the same thing. Because, you know, anime on DVD, it's a pretty, we talked about this when we talked about the review, it's a high-traffic site. You know, the anime companies look to this for for quotes to throw on their packaging. So unfortunately, it didn't get that, but he did address it a couple times in the review. And that's important to us, and I think it's important for everyone else to know, too. So that was uh, really good to see that. I think that's if for the news, uh, Julian, I mean, you kind of gave us news at the beginning with your stuff with uh, the Family Mart. So uh, I guess that's it for news. Anyone? Going once. Going twice. 
Let's take it on over to the topic. So we are here to talk about the state of the industry. We're gonna be all like, like all like the cool kids that are talking about this too. We're just gonna jump it on we the bandwagon. We can play along too. Na, 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 na. No, but it is important to drag them all in by extension, Funimation. So you know, right off the bat, there's there's a lot of speculation here. But when it comes to Funimation, there's actually a little less speculation than other companies, believe it or not. So let's just get it out there. Does it seem like the American anime industry is kind of crumbling beneath? itself i would say yes yes yeah a little bit mary we went back and looked at uh you know when this started to hit it seemed like it had been leading into it for quite some time oh, yeah, probably years but september 2007 is when the shit hit the fan right yes what was happening around then genion um pretty much ceased to be yeah it's just canceling were... any series that they're in the middle of right stopping right. production of their Recalling catalog stuff yeah and they used to be pioneer <laughs> i actually <laughs> mentioned this to you earlier the irony of this whole situation is that when funimation first got started with home releases and dvd and vhs they went to pioneer for their distribution <laughs> so funny that how you know how the tables have turned this so, is so sad because when you think of pioneer slash genion i personally think like tenchi, 90s tenchi movie yeah. like that oh, yeah. helps, wow. you know, it helped make uh, anime a little more accessible to people that didn't that, know about it. The opening logo screen then. Yeah, you know, you're thinking about it, Funimation may pick up some of their early stuff that was really popular. Oh, we, we'll be getting to that. No worries whatsoever. So, uh, But it's not just Genion. What happened to ADV? Um, I admit I didn't fully read the stories. But there's but, some shenanigans going yeah, on the there, too, right? Yeah, the shenanigans happening... Um, it seems as though they pulled a bunch of titles from their website, and then there was a bunch of going back and forth, and like, what was the story there? But there's the no real remains, clarification. I mean, there might be now. I mean, I, like okay. I said, I'm I'm really bad. I didn't follow through with it, but um, there's definitely a lot of going back and forth. A lot of people scared, and rightfully so. Like, right. oh my god, first genius now EDV. Like, holy crap. Um, it's frightening. Although, um, I believe one of the statements going back and forth kind of implied we are going through a transition. Right now. So. Right. This is the transitionary It's a nice period. little loaded statement. Exactly. Is CPM still around? <laughs> That's the I thing I don't, don't understand. I think they do. And like they're US pretty small core. scale, so like, maybe they weather the storm by the fact that they're not huge. Yeah, I don't exactly. Know. It's like Media Blasters and CPM and Manga Core and all of them. It's like they're, you know, they're, they've never been, you know, huge, although Street places... Street Fighter's carrying them. <laughs> I don't I mean, what's kind of weird about Manga and uh, CPM is that they don't release a lot, but when they license stuff they license stuff it's like usually something big that could probably sustain him like year after year like they did like Kenshin, the vampire hunter d yeah vampire hunter d that was like urban vision though oh my god who yeah. does one thing every four or five years you know <laughs> Are they even really a company all right so we'll pull it back to you know the, the industry right now the downward spiral things are completely going batshit crazy out of control. There's a lot of discussion. I would actually point you over to like Anime World Order and Geek Nights. They've had some great episodes talking about what specifically is wrong with the business models and how there's not really a solution. And they did such a good job just... And that's what yeah. you should listen to. We're going to focus on Funimation and Dragon Ball. Let's talk about Funimation, how they got started, how they got to where they are today. It all began. And actually, there's a couple things you can check out. Um, the Right Stuff podcast, I believe it's called Anime Today, actually just did an interview with Gen Fukunaga from Funimation. And that's on top of that ICV2 interview that was up uh, like a week or so ago. A lot of, um, you know, 
crossover with the information and stuff. So the story is that Gen Fukunaga spent a year or so over in Japan. I think he said it was like eighth grade. Saw this awesome show on TV. It wasn't over in the U.S. Years pass. 1994 goes to his uncle who happens to work at Toei and gets the rights to Dragon Ball for North American distribution. Lucky man. Yeah. Whoa. Right place at the right time. Absolutely. You can't get any better than that. So 1995... Funimation begins releasing Dragon Ball over here in the U.S. And we know the story here. They did 13 episodes of Dragon Ball. Uh, that wasn't going anywhere. 1996, they begin doing DBZ. They get through two seasons. Saban abandons them. 1999, season three begins, goes onwards from there. And that's Funimation in a nutshell, how they've, you know, treated the series, what they've done with it. Let's talk about their their parent company, I guess you would say. I know how to say it now. It's Navar. It's not Navarre. So Funimation was acquired by Navar in 2004. So Funimation Animation is already different from the other companies now and that they're owned not only by like a parent company but a public parent company one of the biggest things you'll hear uh, with all analysis of the anime industry is how all these companies are private they have no reason They're standing to, on their own two feet yeah they're trying to get by well i was gonna say they have no reason to share their financial data right the anime industry is so secretive we have no sales figures no one wants to say how they're doing how they've been doing where they're heading anything the like that with that is that when shit like with Genion happens, you know, the whole fandom, you know, is scared out of their wits because, you know, who could have seen it coming other than, you know, the small hints here I and mean, there. I mean, we could, mm-hmm. but there comes a point where you're like, oh, all right, now it's really hit the fan. I hate to use that phrase, but like, that's the best way to describe it. I mean, when you have a company that's licensing everything under the right. sun, I mean, they had a lot of good stuff, but they also licensed some really niche stuff that you'd think just by looking that it would be impossible for them to make any money back on. Right, it. and that's what I guess they call the shit factor is last couple of years we we saw it in manga as well although the manga industry seems to be doing pretty well i think it's because it's less expensive yeah and just more yeah. widely available in bookstores because girls are buying it exactly <laughs> but they're licensing so much shit no one cares about some of these shows like the otaku will watch it the day it's been fan subbed in japan but who really wants to own i mean what's like a totally random shit show that came out x x harem show with X-Fetish. Absolutely. Yep. Yep. I mean, and even Funimation is guilty of a little bit of that, but nowhere near the degree of Genion and ADV, for example. Mm-hmm. And, you know, ADV had Ava, which sustained, it was like their Dragon Ball, but even that bit them on the ass trying to release that super duper set with the jacket and fan outcry and all that. So very quickly after, and even before this, Funimation actually became number one in the domestic industry, which is so funny to think about. Considering how hated they were in like 1990. 2000, <laughs> Funimation was the bastard child of the entire industry. No one thought they were going to do any Dragon Ball, like, edited on TV. Yeah, that's going to go somewhere. I mean, but it did. It, it well, did. Well, that's a that's a way to actually make money because you've got people watching it in TV, on TV. Absolutely. I mean, one of the points raised in, I think, one of the editorials about the situation of the industry is the very fact that because they have things airing on TV, people actually go out and buy the DVDs yes. because they've already seen it. They yes. know they like it. Absolutely. They don't have to buy the DVD and then find out they were wrong. <laughs> right, right. I think, um, Mike, you and I were talking about this the well, other day. Well, I actually quasi stole it from Anime World Order and Geek Nights a little bit, but it's so true. You're talking about after school. Right. 
like, I mean, it's kind of, I mean, yes, there is stuff on TV, but you're not going to have the average, you know, nine-year-old, I hope, not staying up at 11.30 at night watching Death Note. Right. I mean, oh, God. And there's that bumper. Oh, uh, it like, makes me sad. I saw that last night. Di- oh, did you? The, the Death Note one where they're... No, no, not the Death Note one. It was a general anime one. And they've been doing that for a while. What's that going on? That doesn't help. With I think Cartoon Network. They were really pro-anime for a while. All of a sudden, they Shift in ownership kind of bullshit going they on. They kind of ripped, uh, you know, Toonami out of that prime slot after school. And, and all of a sudden, those bumpers just became, fuck anime and fuck all you fans. You're not watching. It's like, yeah, that's really going to make me want to watch your shows. Exactly. It's like, isn't that kind of shooting yourselves in the foot? Right. You're like, it's really not helping the situation. It's like, if you hate anime that bad, why do you idiots keep licensing this stuff and then giving it shitty time slots? Like, clearly, they're only rectifying that now by putting, you know, Harvey Birdman and stuff in the place where anime used to be on Saturday nights, I think. I don't even know. I mean, we don't watch it. We don't watch it, you know? Right. Well, I mean, the feeling is that, you know, they kind of oversaturated themselves a little bit for a while, yeah. but instead of, you know, just moderating things a bit, they just pulled out of it completely, almost. That's my opinion, anyway. Definitely. Well, you know, let's go back to Funimation and using Dragon Ball as kind of like their jump start. It was the thing, you know, other than the first two seasons, but they couldn't do much else. But even, you know, when I think back, for season two, they managed to get a one-hour time slot on Saturday, Sunday. It was phenomenal. For was so brilliant. For, I mean, God, I got up at so early in the morning just to watch that. For such a virgin company, Saturday morning or, or Sunday morning time slot, how did they finagle their way into that i mean i'm sure saban had a lot to do with it (laughs) blowjobs no um i i guess they figured you know here's a show it's essentially cheaply made because it's not like it's a new animation right right it's like here we have all these episodes we have a ton of episodes and you know there's a lot and it's a serial so people get hooked on it right and of course the big thing came september 1998 where it hit the the now famous Toonami block on Cartoon Network. For a year, it rebuilt that audience. Season 3 premieres in 99, 99, 2000, 2001. Dragon Ball is essentially Pokemon it in this country. It is the shit. Explosion. And that's where the money came from. And, you know, it's really where the money started and hasn't stopped since then. It's been the bread and butter, as they say. You know, ADV had Ava, but Ava's not as big as Dragon Ball. You can only do so much with it. Look what they've been doing with Dragon Ball with the constant releases, constantly reinventing itself. And people keep buying it! Oh, well, that's the thing. Why Why Dragon Ball? What is it about Dragon Ball that Funimation is able to pull this off? People are watching it, clearly. You know, I actually think... There's an audience. Very true. I think a lot of it also has to do with the fact that it started edited. That gave them a reason to go back and do it unedited. They looked for another reason to do another big release. They did their remastered version. You know, Japan didn't really have quite the same thing. They did their one remastered release on DVD. It's almost like Ava, where Ava got a remastered release. ADV, you know, did they did their director's cut release. Then they did the remastered release. Dragon Ball, they're constantly reinventing it and giving people another reason to purchase it. And well, say what you want about Funimation. I think they're very good at finding ways to make money off of something that they've already oh, squeezed what seems to be the last dollar out completely. of. Completely. We'll move away from Dragon Ball for a brief second. Uh, after Dragon Ball, it was like Yu Yu Hakusho. They did Blue Gender, but you know they did all right. It I got remember on Cartoon that Network. era. It was like there are three shows. It was Dragon Ball, right, Blue right. Gender, and Yu Yu Hakusho. I'm trying to remember what came after that. The next wave of shows, I guess, Fruits, Fruits Basket. Basket. Exactly. And I mean that got the female market going like crazy over here. Mm-hmm. I mean, unfortunately, well, 
unfortunately or fortunately, they kind of gravitated over to the manga. Right. But, you know, Fruits Basket, that was huge for them. And they were really smart about that. Where they I did- don't know that Fruits Basket was necessarily huge for them. Well... I think we like to think that because the manga is so successful over but here, but... think about conventions and the hats and the stuff. They, True. They did okay, a really, so merchandise. And it got in Hot Topic. And yeah. I know that's something huge you want to talk about, especially Full Metal Alchemist was their and next Naruto huge... Well, but, I mean, that's but Funimation doesn't have Naruto. I, I want to stick with them briefly. Getting into Hot... And we'll talk about Naruto. Getting into Hot Topic, what reason do I have to go there anymore? But, you know, that that's where the kids are. You get that shit in Hot Topic... You're golden. We were at a show, a concert, last weekend, and I saw a guy who doesn't look too much younger than us, I'd probably say early 20s, walking around wearing a Naruto hoodie. It just had, you know, the, the hidden right. not village. not a headband. No, just a, just, just a hoodie. Know, jeans and a hoodie. Just, and the just hoodie, walking. very simple graphic on the front of the Hidden Leaf Village logo. And, you know, if you didn't know any better, you just think, oh, okay, it's a, it's a, a hoodie. hoodie. Yep. So it's like simple little things like that. I mean, if you can market it to a wide range of people, people will buy it. So, Well, let's talk about Funimation's brilliance with their marketing. Because there, there was merchandise for all this stuff. Dragon Ball, can you remember when we used to be able to go to malls and <laughs> in the front window? I wish I took so many pictures, you yeah. know, like six, seven years ago. All the front windows were filled with the Dragon Ball merchandise. The t-shirts, the figures, the little accessories. So that was like their first exploitation. No, t-shirts are always big. Then they got into the Fruits Basket, you know, hats and that kind of stuff. backpacks. Backpacks, you know, those side bags, those were huge. They still are pretty big, but you know, those were enormous sellers. Yeah. Um, And then we get to Full Metal Alchemist. It's huge. Mm Mm-hmm. It still seems to be somewhat big, and the merchandise for that is significant as well. You go into Hot Topic, you see, you know, like, the 80s Nintendo shirts, you see your Slipknot shirts, and you see your Full Metal Alchemist shirts. They know how to do this so well, and because they have the clout starting with Dragon Ball and moving onwards from there, they're able to arrange these deals. Mary, I really want to talk about going off of FMA and just continuing Funimation's presence. Laraku. As the cool kids say. Larkenshiel. So Funimation announces they have Full Metal Alchemist. They're going to premiere the new dub at Otakon. Not only that, in conjunction with Otakon and Tofu Records, they bring over, fatedly, Japan's biggest rock band, who have never been to the U.S. before, as far as I know. No, that was your first time. Yeah? And we got to see them! Yeah, yeah, we went to see the concert. It was pretty awesome. (laughs) So we go to Otakon anyway, and then just that concert was like, oh my god. So we've gone, and essentially the span of 10 years from a company who's used an uncle to get a property over to the U.S. to bringing over Lark. How is that possible? It is kind of strange and unusually yeah. rapid growth for any company. Like Meteoric rise. Pretty much. Looking at like, 10 years there. I, I'm sitting here, I'm trying to wrap my mind around that. It's all because of Dragon Ball. It, it really is. That's what got them going. It's what got them, as Gen said, the Pokemon-y. You I, still oh, remember I, that quote yeah, after I, all I these years. I love that. It was so good, you know? Pokemon and Dragon Ball, like, defined that time period. And as it went on, it's just given them so much to work with. You know what's interesting? fact that Dragon Ball and Pokemon are still kind of around today, like Pokemon saw a resurgence in popularity. Yeah, with Diamond and Pearl, it definitely got a little resurgence. And Dragon Ball, not so much with being on the TV. I mean, it I was here and there. I think it's actually on at some point on Saturday, maybe. Right. But it's still, there's still a presence. And the yeah. live action movie, I mean, come on, it's going to be in people's faces. I, I also think that really because of that, it's it's weird because they're the fact that they're able to make these properties successful, not always considering the issues with, say, Kodobo no Omocha or... Right. 
uh, Detective Conan, but mostly they're able to make real successes out of the series that they license. And they've given themselves such clout that people actually look to them as, you know, favor- like they're one of their top choices for bringing over shows that they like. You know, Mary... Just kind of weird. This actually a great parallel I can think of is like drive through records of 2000, 2001. drive through gets a new band. We're like, oh, this is probably a cool band. I should check them out. We're at the point where Funimation gets a new show. People are like, oh, that's the show Funimation got. Maybe I should check that out. Like Oron or something mm-hmm. like that, you know? Like they're that company that, like Julian said, that they're looking to. Well, they are smart in that they don't gobble up every single stupid show under the sun. Yeah, they pick some niche shows here and there. Like, um, I'm trying to think. Suzuka? Yeah, Suzuka. Yeah. Peach Girl. Right. Um, that one that's based on the dating sim. Oh, but, yeah, yeah. Although I like their variety, but it's not too over the top. Julian, I actually want to take it back to something you were talking about with, like, uh, Kodocha and Detective Conan. Another one is Shinchan. And this is something, that if you listen to the interviews with Gen Fukunaga that he's huge on, he's saying, this can be the year that Shinchan nails it. He was talking about how, you know, you have your romantic comedies, which can do well with the males and can do well with the females, but it doesn't take it to that level of fandom. Then you have your action-adventure shows, your Dragon Ball and your Naruto. Those are breakout hits. But we're also in an era on American TV with, like, Family Guy. Pure comedy mm-hmm. is what he was talking about. Pure comedy yes. that's not romantic comedy, just pure, maybe even slapstick comedy. That stuff is huge. And what they've done yes. with Shin-chan was extremely smart. You know, another Chan, Milk-chan, didn't really work. But Shin-chan has a chance with that Family Guy audience to totally nail it. Well, because they changed it so much. Exactly. So, I mean, granted, I wouldn't say Shin-chan ever had a huge, you know, otaku American fun following like no. oh my god they changed the show so no, much like no, no, no. no one really seems to give a the crap mainstream here. show in japan right it's like sazaya-san except sazaya-san is more like the family circus and that it hasn't changed yeah. in i don't know how many <laughs> right, years right <clears throat> so he's pretty big on Shinchan. Um, any other thoughts to go off of that? I think in terms of like how narrow-minded Adult Swim has become in recent years, if Shinchan is well. the only thing that even remotely stands a chance at being maybe promoted by Adult Swim because it kind of falls in line with their their I don't know way of thinking. And you know what? Flipping through, we would watch it. Oh yeah, I would, and we would I would laugh. laugh. It was funny. And we're not thinking, oh, they changed all the cultural references. I refuse to watch this. I was too busy laughing. We watched it as if we would watch Family Guy, Futurama, those kind of shows. Like, it's clever, but it's still pure comedy. I can't think of any shows you can get away with doing something like that, too. Not much else. I think it was a pretty huge risk to take. Yeah, definitely. There's a lot of risk-reward going on with Funimation, but they don't go so far with that risk that they... they're shooting themselves in the foot. Right, like they guarantee themselves no reward whatsoever. What other um, properties around this time? They've been doing a lot of movies lately. That's, like, kind of low-risk... I think um, the acquisition of One Piece was a kind of risky. Oh my god, how can I forget? We need, we'll have to do the DON comparison. By all accounts, Naruto and One Piece together should be Dragon Ball all these years later. The risk is gigantic because of what was already done to One Piece. Funimation is trying to reestablish it as Naruto. Like that kind of treatment, even better treatment in some ways. You know, they're not, what's that song? Fight for your soul or whatever that Naruto song was. Yeah, they sing the song in English with right. the tune. Yeah. Right, right, right. With, you know, the same animation. Julian, I, I gotta, you know, throw it over to you. Uh, Funimation, you tell me about the risk reward with One Piece and Funimation. Well, I think the risk is, you know, the fact that 4Kids already brought it over. They 
did a lot to it, so it's been established in the minds of many people as a stupid kids cartoon with, you know, no real weight behind now, it I, at I all. I gotta stop you right there. Established in the minds more in a general mainstream audience, and to some extent, you know, the American anime fan and audience. And not just kids. Right, right. It's, I mean, four kids was squarely aiming at, I don't even know how old. <laughs> right. I don't know what kids uh, I think were it's watching. More, more the case of middle-aged people trying to uh, appeal to what they think is hip and cool right. and the younger generation failing miserably. But uh, what Funimation is trying to do is really establish it in the mainstream mind of the English-speaking public at large. And I think it certainly helps that right now it's airing right after or after Naruto. It also seems like you know they're really trying to promote the series, I guess, as is, although all they did was sort of drop in new voices for all the characters. Right. Well, we got the music back, too. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's really interesting to watch, and it sounds like they, they have been getting more popular as it's gone along, although I haven't seen any ratings figures to see exactly how much more popular. Right. I'm certainly hoping that it really gains a following because I, of course, like it and I, you know, like to see some merchandising going on. I mean, it's, you know, completely saturated in Japan, but when I go back, it'd be nice to see some stuff. <laughs> That's very true. You want to see it over here. It's such a huge risk. Everything you said, it's already been established. And to try and reestablish a show, how many times has this been tried? I mean, there have been a few times, you know, Robotech and the new dub of Macross. Um, there have been a couple other shows that have, you know, been redubbed and re put out. But this is such a, a modern example of trying to rebrand the show again, almost. Uh, is Funimation going to do it? Can. Will it work? Well, of course I want them to, because I want them to I keep putting so. out all the box sets. Yeah. It's another case where fans are going to have to put their money where their mouth oh, is. Oh, I'm ready and willing. <laughs> I tell you, get the credit card ready. You know, it's a, what's amazing to me is, you know, I frequent these sort of fan forums that are usually incredibly sort of anti-establishment and all for, right. you know, downloading the fan subs and what have you. And yet they've been really incredibly supportive of Funimation. And there's, you know, a lot of people on the forums who proclaim proudly that they're going to go buy the DVD the first day that it's out, which to me is really impressive because it just so. speaks to the amount of public relations that Funimation has done with regards to their dumb, Although, I think. I'm a little concerned, Mary, if you remember, I think it was last Otocon, we went to the, it was supposed to be premiere of the new dub, it ended up just being you know the director and some of the voice actors. The overwhelming um, atmosphere of the crowd was like such extreme gratitude. Yeah, it was so heartwarming to see anime fans just actually being grateful for the products that are being put out. Every for other them. person was saying thank you for saving the show, not just acquiring it, but saving it. On the other hand, however, everyone was so thoroughly concerned with the TV broadcast. It didn't sound at that point with that audience that people were going to purchase it. Mm. And that concerns me a bit because, and not just with One Piece, but with all the shows, it's easier with the shows that you can exploit with merchandise, which will be yes. your shonen. But with just watching it on TV, that's a help, but it's not going to well, save it in the it long run. Watching it on TV run. equals higher ratings equals, you know, advertising. Advertising money, that. exactly. So it, it is a big portion of it. So, you know, it's something they have to build up over time because they were basically starting from scratch. Yeah, a- absolutely. When, when a franchise is run into the ground, that kind of gives you nothing to work on, <laughs> yeah. work with. 
Um, All right, you know what? So yeah. Let's move away from the franchises a little bit. I want to take it back to Navarre, who is their parent company. And like I was saying, what's very different about Funimation is that while they may be you know, not a public company, their owner is a public company. We actually do have some financial figures. We do have some you know, looking into the future, what their plans are, what they want to do. So I want to talk about this. And this is really timely because Navarre just put out their um, their third fiscal quarter 2008 report, right? <laughs> is that what I'm trying to say? No, I'm really bad because at work Maybe. we got shit like that too, and I always get confused. All right, well, fiscal year, it kind of carries over into a calendar year. So even though you know we're into January, February now, the third quarter of the fiscal year ends with December 31st. For 2007. So, you know, we actually have a lot of stuff. We had a conference call that I listened to that just happened at this point yesterday. Um, You know, their attorney and their, I forgot, their COO or something talking about it. And they, you know, they ask questions about Funimation. They talk specifically about Funimation. So, Julian, I actually sent you over the conference call. You listened to a little bit of it. What I want to do is actually go through their second quarter and third quarter, a couple things, and talk about some of this stuff. So, you know, we've been talking about the decline of the industry. We have Genion and ADV that have pretty much, I don't even know what to say, they're dead at this point. Not ADV. Well, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them because transitional period. <laughs> yeah, I, I know what that means. So I want to look at a little bit of um, their their press release with regards to their figures. Uh, Navarre, the way they work, they have what's called a publishing segment, and that's made up of three companies, Funimation, Encore, and BCI. Obviously, we're more concerned with Funimation. Now, while we don't get exact figures for each individual company, we do get some wording that's really interesting here. So for the third quarter ended December 31st, 2007, the publishing segment's net sales before intercompany eliminations were 31.4 million as compared to net sales of 35 million for the same period last year. So it's down a little bit, but what they're really they really point out here is is just a little bit earlier, Funimation continues to grow its market share in the anime sector. The publishing segment was impacted by the poor performance of BCI. So that's just one third of, you know, the the publishing segment there. Funimation as far as they're concerned is doing well. And they actually go on to talk about the whole uh, Atari fiasco. And and you know how they made you know the 10 million off of that and it goes to 2010 Julian we were listening to that conference call um an analyst or investor asked some questions about that something i just learned and correct me if i'm wrong but it seems like whatever revenue Funimation or Navarre obtain due to Atari and the Dragon Ball license. Fifty percent of that goes back to the Japanese um, creators, the the owners. Does that sound right? Um, I think. But listening to the conference <laughs> call reminds me of why I was not an economics major. A lot of it has become very familiar to me over the last few years. <laughs> but even listening to this, I'm like, what the hell are they talking about? But that's what it sounds like to me. So it almost seems like they license out to Atari and get free money. They have to send half of it back to Japan, but it's almost like a license to print money, Dragon Ball at this point, which is really, especially with the crap that Atari's going through. Like, can Atari even afford to pay Funimation? Like, they really can. So that was pretty interesting. And it seems like Funimation is doing pretty well, according to Navarre. And I'm, I'm just going to go a little bit further back. This was the fiscal 2008 second quarter results. The 22 
52.1 decrease in net sales over the prior year quarter was due to a decline in DVD video net sales at Funimation and BCI. So right there, they're saying this DVD market, it's declining. And it accounts for a little bit of the lost sales. Again, they talk about, you know, BCI not doing so well, Funimation doing okay. And the same thing with compared to the same six months from 2007. Here's another really interesting thing here, though. Mary, you and I were talking about this. Bad debt expense for the publishing segment was zero for the second quarter of fiscal 2008 compared to $600,000 for the same period last year. The prior year amount relates to the write-off of an accounts receivable due to the bankruptcy of a significant retailer and a Funimation pre-acquisition receivable that was deemed uncollectible. that Yeah, absolutely. That's what I'm thinking. So it hurt them a little bit in the the previous year, but they seem to have gotten over with it. They were saying that they were in really good position. And actually with another one of their segments, they were talking about CompUSA going out of business and how just due to the way that they've structured their company and all of their revenue and stuff, they were able to ride that out no problem. So they actually, Navarre as a company, seems to be doing pretty well in handling the market. I think even that analyst investor said, you know, even with the way the market's going, you guys had pretty solid quarter here. So that's really interesting to me that Funimation, despite what's going on in the market, they're pulling through. I think they can ride it out. Is it because of Dragon Ball? You know what? Probably. I mean, they're going to keep pumping out these uh, box sets and the movies and, you know, now the Blu-ray stuff. So Right. They're, they're moving Another reason to, to rebuy this stuff over and over again. Yeah, absolutely. Just the constant reinvention of Dragon Ball. It's so sustaining Funimation. So do you think the live action movie is going to, again, rejuvenate the anime It'll sector? give them something. I, I can't see how it can hurt. Even if it's an awful movie, I don't see how it can hurt. It's like the saying, you know, there's no such thing as bad publicity. Mm-hmm. How, how can it hurt other than bring exposure to Dragon Ball? I want to take it over to a couple other comments by Gen Fukunaga and the way that the industry is heading. We're seeing it with One Piece and it's season box sets. That's where they're heading. No one's buying singles anymore. And this nope. is another big thing with some of the other companies. We're at a point now where we don't want to pick up volume one because we don't know if that company is going to be around to give us volume two. Like, almost kind of shot themselves in the foot because they would give us the individual releases and then do like a regular box set. And then eventually, like maybe a year or two down the line, do the thin packs, right. stripped down and a lot cheaper and people got and people were kind of jaded about that they're like why should i bother buying these single releases which are more Mm -hmm. you know they're priced more which probably gets some more money when i can just hold out and wait for these you know cheapo box sets the american market doesn't work that way look at american television shows a couple months after the season ends the way it works now a couple months season box sets on the shelves Mm -hmm. 50 bucks whole season you know right and that's retail price Right. I mean, if you think about it, what used to be the case with the U.S. is that every single series was treated as an OVA regardless of how it was released in Absolutely. Japan. Absolutely. Yeah, we would get the singles. I can remember buying Trigun and waiting two full months between Volume 7 and 8. Three episodes on 7, four episodes on Volume 8. It, it was crazy. And you were talking about, you know, they put out the, the singles, they put out a regular box set, and they put out the thin pack. It's like they wanted to reinvent it, but there was no reinvention going on. Well, because I think it took two much time and people were like okay i'll just wait it out right because people were waiting it out like i guess they couldn't pay the bills when people when no one's buying the singles and right, it's like right it's almost like it's kind of risky for them to even put out thin packs i let's, mean i'm just talking out of my ass i don't know if this is true, true but this is my theory let's talk about funimation and single releases though biggest complaint dragon ball z 291 episodes three or four episodes a disc always a gigantic complaint with dragon ball fandom 
And how long did it take them to get around that? But let's not talk about Dragon Ball briefly. Let's talk about other shows and their single releases. Funimation is very big. We were talking about their marketing, their exploitation. They would do single releases with such, like, gigantic, amazing extras. Was it Samurai 7 that came with, like, tablecloths or something? Like a wooden box. Yeah, something extravagant like that. Yeah, they've done some pretty crazy stuff, haven't they? Right, and they're always, they say, you know, we're doing it for the fans. The fans really want this stuff. It's only the really hard hardcore people though i've met yeah maybe two people in my life that really Buy salivate that for that stuff right and that's about it everyone else they want a series mm-hmm. watch it all in one go mm-hmm. that's what we're used to over here in the u.s as opposed to japan where it's even worse but we'll get to the <laughs> japanese market so gen fukunaga is so huge now on we need to adapt to the american business model we need to adapt to what american fans want which are season box sets we, dragon ball is leading the way yet again for funimation that's how they're doing it one piece is going to get the same treatment and it was actually really interesting he was saying that the japanese have actually been a huge holdout on moving to that because in the contracts they would specifically say single releases here's a time frame you can't do it until this point in time and again to make their money back on licensing it they have to do it in the singles and charge that much money but it sounds like the japanese companies are coming around to this isn't flying anymore someone's buying their shit either i don't know why they're so hesitant to change well reverse importation has always been a huge fear for the japanese market right yes well, I mean, because the Japanese DVDs are so hugely expensive that it would actually be cheaper to bring over other DVDs that aren't as bad. Julian, tell <laughs> us about the Japanese market. I mean, we know enough about it, but you're over there right now. What's it like uh, ignoring Dragon Ball because, you know, it's an older show? But say, like, the the latest One Piece season, if you wanted to pick up some One Piece episodes on DVD. I know there's a box set that yes. came out or is coming up, but what's it like over there? So you get DVD singles that come out fairly regularly. Um, with the case of at least longer-running Shonen shows, you do have a decent amount of episodes per disc. But, on the other hand, they're also very expensive. And particularly with series like OVAs, you get maybe one or two episodes per disc. It's, you know, maybe $50 per disc, and it goes on from there, and people buy it because they are heavily invested in the series or whatever, but it's it's really, I don't know, I, I, I like to um, think of the experience as for something you like, you uh, the even for something you like, the exper- experience is kind of a akin to being violated with a blunt object every time you... (laughs) I've actually heard that there... Maybe this was a couple years ago. Maybe it's changed a little bit. There was a really big problem in Japan with um, either renting or purchasing outright, copying the DVDs and selling them back almost immediately. I wouldn't be surprised. And, (laughs) you know, the problem with piracy in Japan is just as big here, if not bigger than Uh, in the US. Yeah, we get the fan subs, but where do you think the fan subs come from? Japanese don't need the subtitles, they get the raws an hour later. Right, and they, you know, they do that too, and it also appears on the Japanese equivalent of YouTube, which is Nico Nico Video. So, um, you know, really what's going on, I think, is that the industry is being very reactionary to something that they need to adapt to get around. I mean, I think Funimation has actually been pretty good in the U.S. about things like digital distribution. They're trying. trying, Yeah, trying out new models and seeing what works. But the Japanese industry is very, you know, you need to follow our exact orders, and if you don't, then uh, we're going to go after you with our legal teams. And, you know, it's just kind of ridiculous. But 
I think there there are incredibly high margins in DVD production, and while I realize it costs a lot to actually animate a show and not just you know slap a dub onto it, you know it it does get pretty ridiculous. Agreed. What else can we say? I mean. We could get into a whole discussion about the place of fan subs and bootlegs. It's actually another discussion I want to have with some very specific people, so I'm not going to get in too deep into that whole conversation. But the market in general, Dragon Ball has led the way for Funimation. They are number one. Gen Fukunaga was so huge on talking about how they've won awards for best dubbing, and Julian listening in on that conference call, Funimation's at a point where they're actually looking at picking up Genion titles. Yeah, so from the fall of Genion, Funimation looks poised to pick up the cream of the crop from that and, you know, not bother with any of the uh, other debatable stuff that Genion also had. And I am so concerned, Mary, there is one show that we didn't get, and we should probably go pick them up at FYE, like used for five bucks. Oh, I know, because, you know, it was, you know, huge singles, and Genion was planning to do box sets, and we're talking about Hajime no Ippo or Fighting Spirit, which is phenomenal. And I think that is unfortunately one of the shows that killed Genion. Yeah. Oh, a, I know. Was they? No one so, bought it. Spend so much money on that. No, we haven't bought it. But we are guilty. We're like we rented it. Why am I? We well, you know that was legal. We yeah. rented it. But we're saying, why am I going to go pay twenty five bucks for the singles? They've already said they're going to be putting out a thin pack afterwards, which we were waiting, and now we're not going to get it. There's no way Funimation is going to go for Epo. Right. I mean, there's a chance, but probably not. Mm-hmm. So another thing they were talking about, Mary, was that Genion was, what, 10% of the market, they were saying? I thought they were more, only due to the fact that they snatched up so many shows, I figured they could afford to put them out. So but there's I- no definition of what that means. Is it sales? Is it amount of properties owned? Is it like market presence? So I don't know. They didn't really say that. But another thing that was interesting is that they were saying acquiring that 10% of the market could equate to $10 million annual revenue. So if Genion was only 10% of the market, and Funimation's number one. We don't know necessarily what their market share is, but we can start doing some equations to see what kind of money Funimation is making. Well, didn't you um, spout out some number earlier about $35 million? Is that like the publishing sector of Navarre as a whole was like $35 million? This was uh, fiscal 2008 second quarter results. Net sales for the publishing segment were $27 million. Okay, so we don't know how much of that is Funimation. Right, it's it split between those three companies, um, Encore, BCI, and Funimation. So, you know, but we know BCI is doing kind of shitty. And even if you were to or split, Encore, I don't remember. you said $27 million? Yeah. Okay, let's pretend, you know, divided three ways evenly. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't add up to 10. Well, that was just one quarter. Okay. That's not a full year. Oh, okay. So, so the thing the, with Genial was a, would multiply 10 million that by a year? Four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. They're saying that's what they I think understand. they could make if they acquire that another 10% market share. That's what it would equate to. So in the grand scheme of how Funimation's doing, it's not a lot, but it's a little bonus. And, and that's number one. Uh-huh. which is pretty frightening. I got to bring it back to Dragon Ball again. Where is Dragon Ball going to take them and how is it going to carry them going forward? It's still going to be there. I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. It hasn't left yet. Something, it, it's kind of dipped a little bit, you know, here and there. But Something we've talked about, especially with the box set review, was Funimation's at a point now where they don't know how to treat the series, though. Like, is this a super awesome, mega, amazing release? Or is it the, you know, retail price is 35 bucks, get it online for like 20 bucks, cheap release? Are they going to continue running themselves into a corner where how do they treat the show? How do they continue to reinvent it? But maybe it is the Blu-ray that 
gives them another opportunity to quasi reinvent the show for another medium that gives them somewhere else to take the series. Julian, what do you think? I mean, especially with older shows, maybe the Blu-ray thing wouldn't be that effective. But on the other hand, with the amount of space that you have, you could put it at, you know, standard, you know, 480 resolution. Right, right. And have a huge number of episodes at full bitrate, at full quality audio for both languages. And you'd have, I don't know how many discs for the entire series, but it would be incredible. <laughs> Actually, in, in the chat one day, God of Chaos and Rachel were doing the math, and it was uh, pretty interesting. I don't remember what the number was, but it was pretty neat. Nice. But but Dragon Ball, what do you think? Where's it going to take them? Well, I mean, they seem to be more akin on doing the whole remastered thing, which seems like it might at least work for the movies. I don't know how much about the series. Right. You know, you, even with high definition, you can't get that much more detail out of the original prints. And <laughs> Dragon Ball's 20 years old now. Oh, boy. But, I mean, I think that it may be useful for them, at least in terms of prolonging the longevity of the series. I don't know where else to take the discussion. Anyone have any uh, closing thoughts on the state of the industry as it applies to Funimation and more specifically Dragon Ball? The industry is sad, but I see Funimation just pressing onwards because they've been making pretty good decisions. I mean, not it's kind of odd because even though Dragon Ball is their most successful property, they've done the most fucked up shit with Dragon Ball. Uh, it's and, the, and it's still the plight of the Dragon be, Ball fan. Right. It's really bizarre. No matter what you think about any of the individual products... It's impossible to deny how they've fucked with the series over the years. I mean, you, you can't get around that fact. So, you know, we didn't even really mention Naruto and, you know, we did briefly with One Piece. But do you see the industry being essentially Funimation and Viz? If Viz keeps picking up, you know, the ho- the high-profile Shonen shows, I don't see why not. I mean, they're living off of Naruto and they, st- they got a fallback of Bleach. I don't know what niche shows they get anymore. I know they got Nana and Heidi and Clover, but I haven't heard about those two in ages. Th- they're shopping those around to TV. Oh, God, I want Nana on TV so bad. <laughs> <laughs> Which is stupid. You know why did I Wait, just say lifetime? that? Lifetime? No, no. Listen to what I just said. I want Nana to be on TV. I've watched it in Japanese in yeah, fan I, subs, I, and I'm buying the DVDs regardless. Why should I care if it ends up on TV or not? So, what is the mindset of anime fans that no matter what they want to see their show on TV? Right. You're, I do not understand it, and I just said it uh, exactly. You're that kind of fan. Like you just said, you watch a fan sub. You love the Japanese. You're gonna pick up the DVDs, like no question about it. Nana and Hunting Clover will be on our shelves. I mean. I mean, we have a morbid curiosity of watching the dub, but it's like hearing your favorite song on the radio. It's different when it's on the radio. I think also, I feel like if it's on TV, other people can discover the show and love it as much as I do. And yeah. I kind of want to be like, okay, it's such an awesome show. Everyone should watch it. Maybe. Maybe but that's it. Are then you going to get to a point where it's like when your favorite band gets really popular? And then you kind of like, you're like, oh, I'm too cool for that now. Yeah. I don't know. Anime fandom's really weird. All right, that's the Maybe end that's of the discussion. that's the moral of the story. <laughs> <laughs> Good stuff. We, we want to hear what you have to say. With every podcast episode, we have a thread over on the forum. Come give us your two cents, your three cents, your ten cents, your buck, whatever you got. So with that out of the way, Julian Sensei, we turn it over to you and your DBZ ABCs with the Japanese. <laughs> Started off, Julian, we begin. I'm assuming you're beginning with ah. Yes. Nice. And so, where better to start than with Akira Toriyama? Oh, well, actually, shouldn't it be Toriyama Akira? Well, well yes, but give me some slack here. <laughs> all right, all right, I'll cut you a break. All right, go for it. 
So, Toriyama Akira was born in Kyosu, Aichi Prefecture on April 5th, 1955, which makes him, let's see, what, what 53-ish? Yep, yep, yep. Or pretty close, anyway. Um, so, Aichi Prefecture is interesting. It's kind of, I guess you could say, one-third of the way between Osaka and Tokyo on the side of Osaka. It's got its own regional dialect, which I don't really know that well, but because I'm in Kansai, but it sounds like an interesting place. I've been through I, um, that area. Area, but I've never stopped there. I'd like to be there. Anyway, more about the guy. Uh, so he achieved his first real um, manga success in the late 1970s with some one-shots he made for Jump. Prior to that, I believe he was in a graphic design college, but did, didn't really like it all that much and found himself drawing manga all the time. And he made his first real major success with um, Dr. Slump, which I believe began in 1980, or was it 81? Early 80s, though. So Going on from there, when he got to 1984, he decided that he was done with Dr. Slump and created what turned out to be the biggest success of his career, which of course was Dragon Ball. You know, it's really interesting, too, to see the series of one-shots that came out before oh, this, yeah, as well as absolutely. some interesting sketches. I think we have them kicking around somewhere on the site, but I don't know if we ever actually gave them a page. No, we but, haven't, and maybe we will, because there's, you know, I actually own a few of them um, mm-hmm. in, like, collection form, and there's a lot of stuff in the Daizenshu and even the newer guides about them. So, you know, eventually awesome we'll whip that up. It, but anyway, so that is really the major success of his career, and he hasn't really had to have any other success. <laughs> no. after like that, I say, he's sleeping in his piles well, of money. he gets to do fun shit like yes. uh, Blue Dragon, you know, on the side. Yeah. Um, let's see. As far as I am aware, he has been married since the first half of the 1980s to his wife, Yoshimi. And they have, as far as I'm aware, two children, um, a boy and a girl. The older of which is, I, I guess, probably a year younger than me, but since he's pretty secretive about his personal life, we don't really know much about his family or anything. And really, since the end of Dragon Ball, he's been doing various odd one-shots and the occasional short series that, you know, maybe a volume long, but nothing huge. He doesn't make that many public appearances. From what I have seen of him in, like, TV interviews, he's very uncomfortable in front of the camera. Yeah. He probably just doesn't enjoy that that very much. Uh, Let's see, he's a model builder. He enjoys especially military material from World War II, which has appeared from time to time in his illustrations for Dragon Ball, like Mr. Satan in the Tank. Uh, I love that picture, yeah. He really enjoys drawing, like, mecha-type stuff and just the intricacies of technology. And, you know, he, he seems to be a pretty interesting character, and, of course, he and his children are both fans of One Piece, which I admire. So I think in conclusion, what you're saying is that Toriyama is a pretty cool guy. I think that pretty much sums it up, and it gives us a good starting point for the second round of Dragon Ball ABCs. Ah ha ha, nice. Are you going to do A-E-U-A-O? I think so. All right, good deal. Well, uh, you'll continue that next week then? I believe I will. Fantastic. Well, thank you, Julian. And uh, I guess we'll take it over to some brief releases. All right, so February 6th is finally come and gone. We can talk more about Dragon Ball G. Art, the, the, those aren't the right words. Next month, uh, I did see this uh, press release, uh, Atari Australia. It looks like Budokai Tenkaichi 3, which is the release of Sparking Meteor outside of Japan. I can't tell if it's finally the Wii version or both the Wii and the PS2 version coming out down there. But February 15th, that's a Friday down there in Australia. If you haven't gotten it yet for the Wii, it sounds like at least the Wii version's coming out. And as far as I can tell, 
Mattel that's releases for the rest of February. Anyone? Anything else? I haven't seen anything. It looks like a slow month. Me neither. I mean, I don't know. It'd be interesting to see something new come out of Japan, but I haven't really seen anything specific. Yeah, I doubt it. All right. Well, uh, with the releases done, let's do a couple quick emails. Mary, why don't you read our email here from Andy? Absolutely. Andy says, I've been listening to the podcast for almost a year, and I would just like to inform you that I do, in fact, live in Iowa. No biggie. Just wanted to inform you that there are other Americans listening to the show. (laughs) I think that's a follow-up to a quote from last week, or maybe the week before, I don't remember, where I said that we only have listeners in New Jersey and other countries. Didn't appear that anyone else in the U.S. other than New Jersey people. So, uh, thank you. Iowa, huh? What's going on in Iowa? Let me know. What's it like out there? Say hi to the corn for us. (laughs) We're so mean. Julian, you're going to take the next email here from David. Yes, he says, Hello, guys. Just wanted to say hi. Oh, gee, thanks. Oh, and ask one question. During the Frieza and Android sagas, Kuririn and Yamcha are revived after being ripped through by Frieza and Dr. Ghetto, respectively. But how do their skin and bones grow back after being so completely attacked? Dende and the Senzu Beans must have quite a bit of talent. I haven't seen every DBZ episode, but it's safe to say I'm somewhat of an expert at DBZ itself, in English. I have something I want to point out. Scars. Scars do not seem to heal. Wow, Technically, they are already healed, even if they aren't healed, ideally. That's very... Very true, the way the the body heals itself, the way it works. Julian, do you have any uh, general thoughts on Sensu and the restoration process from them? Uh, yes. Well, the first time they're introduced, it's Goku up on top of um, Karin's tower. Right, right. He's talking to Karin. He, he is, you know, pretty much exhausted, and so Karin flicks in this bean, and he eats it. He feels all powered up. Karin tells him it's the equivalent of eating 10 days' worth of food. Right. Which of course, is completely fine for Goku because he can eat that much in one sitting. (laughs) Um... But I can't remember if Yajirobe tries it too, the same way he does with the Super God Water. Yajirobe in the manga, he kind of eats the whole pile yeah, of beans. Yeah, we talked oh. about that last week. He's pissed that the the meal was just these beans, and he you know shoves down a whole fistful and kind of balloons up. Damn it, Yajirobe! Without those, without doing that, could have been a lot more, you know, <laughs> all the times when they needed them. But anyway, uh, by the time they get to the twenty third Budokai, it seems to turn into a sort of a general purpose, like you know, like in the RPG, they have like a potion that he. All yeah, exactly. Kind of it's like a super thing. potion. And so, you know, Goku takes one, and then he gives one to Piccolo, which everybody <laughs> else is like, what are you, crazy? Right, right. Uh, and after that point, it seems to work in the same way, but their scarcity makes them, you know, prevents them from being too much of a cop-out, and I that guess. That's true. They don't abuse it too much. If anyone shows up with them, it's usually like one or two, so that's yeah. not too shabby. Mary, you have any thoughts on the Sensu, other than it being kind of a cop-out plot device? I was just going to say, it's magic. It's magic. Magic beans! Fantastic. Well, uh, that's what we're going to do for emails this week. I know we're still sitting on a pretty big backlog, though I think the majority from the last couple of weeks were basically telling Julian to do ABCs in Japanese, which is what we're doing. But if yes. you have any emails you would like to send to us, you got comments, suggestions, questions you'd like answered on the show, and even if you just listen to the show and, you know, you never say anything, just drop us a line saying hi. I'd like to know that you're out there. Uh, Mary, where would you send the emails to the show? You can send any and all emails to podcast at DaiZX.com. You can spell that, hopefully the right way, P-O-D-C-A-S-T at D-A-I-Z-E-X.com. Fantastico. So that's actually going to wrap up the show. I enjoy the topical discussions. Ah, Julian, you're in Japan. How's it going? Oh, yes. uh, well. 
Well, it's not too bad. It's the month of February now. Um, it's get, getting pretty cold here, actually. It's colder than it was in December, so that's different. But We've been up and down. You know, the other day I was actually walking around in shorts outside. It's kind of weird. I was cold, but I was wearing shorts. Yeah, I'm starting to look into new locations because it's looking like I'll probably need to move at the end of March. But Ooh, oh. I'm, yeah, but I'm staying upbeat, and um, I'm still having a lot of fun. With any luck, things will work out the way I intend them to. So. Nice. Looking forward to it. All right, well, uh, we'll hear from you next week, but uh, I'll get back to you in a second. Let's say goodbye to Mary. Looks like she's having some problems with uh, headphones or something. No, no, just really itchy. Oh, all right. Well, uh, you can go. Thank you. Okay. I appreciate your time and your effort and your energy and all that stuff. Because I'm going to go release the beasts. Oh, right. And by that, you mean kitties. Yes. Nice. Uh, plug away and say goodbye. All right. The site, Temple of Trunks, you can find it at www.templeotrunks.com. Woo! Nice stuff. Thank you. Mary, we'll uh, check you later. Bye. And uh, Julian, that leaves you and me. You can find us. You, you know, you're listening to part of it right now. But Dies and X. It's been a website 10 years now going strong. Where do you check that stuff out? You check at. that stuff out at http colon slash slash www.daizex.com, which is daizex.com. Fantastic. End of the episode. This was 115. I look forward to seeing you again next week with 116. So for Mary over here and for Julian off in the distance in the magical land. Land of Japan. We'll see. We'll, we'll do uh, E. So we'll see you with E next week. And it's not the letter E. Technically, it's an I if you romanize it. But that's how it's going to work, right? Yes. Fantastic. We'll see you next week. So for Mary and Julian, my name is Mike Vegito EX. And uh, thank you. See you next week. Julian, do it.